coming from England and an academy system, and this is kind of a, a bird's eye view for our, our audience, like coming from the UK academy system where if you don't make it pro at 18, you're considered a failure to then, yeah. you know, here you were a couple of years ago in the second tier of U.S. soccer, you played Division Two, and now you're a bona fide USL championship starter and pushing the ba- the boundaries of breaking through into MLS and beyond. I mean, seriously, having been on the field with you, sky's a limit in terms of your ability. And as a friend, it's it's cool to you know know how you've gotten here and now in a position where shit, I'm no longer playing and I'm moving into off the field endeavors and one of those things is storytelling and media and you know trying to share these things that are worth sharing i feel like you know you are someone whose story is is well worth sharing and also as i mentioned earlier it's just an excuse for us to hang out for an hour and and chat shit You know, maybe we could kick this off with Charlie might have been the hardest guy to book. He's coming off of a team of the week performance. Ooh, yes, he is. Just had a game winning pen. Yes. Where where were you? Where was that again? Uh, up in Detroit. Detroit. Hostile environment. You know? Very up there with one of the Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I saw yeah. the earplug after, you know, shushing the fans. Maybe we can start off just reliving this moment just because it happened very recently Fresh. and then we can uh then we could dive into a lot of other topics you know <laughs> put the pressure to the side and you, you put that pen down the middle that takes a lot of cojones you know game-winning pen to go down the middle so just walk us through walk us through this moment you know maybe anything in the game that might have made this moment tense and then just yeah. talk us through what happened set set the stage charlie set the for stage. Okay. Monumental, momentous moment in football history. Okay, so let's rewind a week. Oh, yes. Like so it. we go back. We'll go back to the Saturday where we uh, land out in San Diego because we got an away game against them on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not starting that game. Come off the bench and we uh, end up losing 1 0. Um, and then obviously fly home. So it's a lot of traveling right there. Um, going into yeah, going to the Wednesday night, we got an MLS game against Houston Dynamo, and um, I found out I'm starting. Um, so I'm getting excited, you know. Uh, MLS team in the cup midweek yep. under the lights, you know. They're, they're the games like you want to play in, you know, against yep, for that one. And yeah, I hear I'm starting, and then I hear it. I'm up against Herrera, who's one of the most capped midfielders for Mexico. Yeah. Well, and I find out about an hour before the game. And uh, so he's in CDM. I'm playing at the 10. Um, we end up having a great game. We lose 1-0, though. Um, but we, we play some good football. Um, yeah, and we deserve more from that. So, yeah, we, we haven't won in a few games. And then going into a quick turnaround, we got a travel Friday up to Detroit. And I start feeling sick. Um, Gosh. get a little bit of sniffles and, and, and the cold um, feeling pretty drained you know traveling all day I think there might have been a delay in there a couple hours delay onto the flight 
um, yeah, get late in, have, have a late dinner, uh, get my head down, ready for the game Saturday. Um, but I wake up feeling awful and we have breakfast at like 8.30. Um, what was, what was, yeah. uh, what was on the breakfast plate? You know, I know your usual breakfast, you know, beans, some uh, English tea. That's what I'd have if I was back home, but I know. yeah. It, Did it change this it, morning? It was hotel breakfast. It wasn't the best. It was pretty bog standard. Your pancakes, your sausage, bacon. Not the highest quality, I will say, but it's a bit hit and miss with the hotels on the away trips, honestly. Yeah, I think Max can vouch for me on that one. I um, that. Yeah. Yeah, so don't really have an appetite. And I'm like, am I, am I going to be able to play tonight? Or at four o'clock, actually. Um, so, and yeah. Charlie, I, is, is your thinking there that you probably, you really want to play, you really want to start? Is there a reluctance to kind of tell the coaching staff that you're you're maybe uh, under the weather and you're not 100% or or are you really up yeah. with your coaches or you don't want to say either way? you got to sort of play it how it comes, really. I spoke to the athletic trainer who sort of deals with, like, any sickness or injury. And I just said, let's have some medicine. So he gave me some medicine. Um, and, yeah, I took that, had a nap in through, through to, like, lunchtime. And then I was just trying to get in my own head and, like, you know, build myself up, say, so I got it. I was speaking to my family. Um, and, yeah, I decided to play. Um the thing that really helped me was a Red Bull about 30 minutes before, before the game. I don't know that. Brought to you by Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Red Bull got me going. You hear the crowd. It's like an old soccer stadium up in Detroit. You know, the crowd's up for it. And yeah. I don't know. That's like I wanted to play. So I get out there, start warming up, feeling good. Um, yeah. And then we go into the game. Um, well, got to the 80th minute. It was still nil-nil and we got the penalty and then, yeah, I, was, I grabbed the ball. Was there any doubt? Was there any doubt of who's taking it? Because like, I mean, obviously, you're new to the team, you know. So yeah, it's not a, a no-brainer of oh, Charlie just got here, he's taking it. But I know you have a history of pens. I know you're also very confident to step onto a set piece. So how did that work out? Of who's taking it? Was there any kind of debate? Yeah. So the coach didn't mention me when it came to pens, and I practiced them in training. I've taken them before. So, like, my confidence was pretty good. And I thought, like, yeah, someone's got to take responsibility for the team. And, yeah, I thought I'd, I was confident. And I know the keepers haven't – I'm not going to give my strategies away too much on this podcast, but the keepers haven't seen me take penalties in this league yet. Yeah. So they got no idea. And I thought, big occasion, he's going to – he's definitely going to dive. So, yeah, I mean – Down the middle is safe for me. It, it was a good it's pen. ballsy yeah it's it's ballsy but i i honestly liked that a lot i mean especially in the moment 80th minute like you think that you have nerves and you're gonna want to hit it one direction yeah you're gonna want to place it but well can i ask you a question about that charlie yeah go Michael. i can i'll ask ask it of max too and i think i've asked this question before and, and it, it emanates from when maddie and max were little kids i mean elementary school kids right so they're in you know they're five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever. Mia Ham, in her heyday, came to uh, their elementary school. Are you familiar with Mia? No. Mia, Mia Ham. Mia, Mia Ham is one of the greatest <laughs> soccer players of all time. One of the greatest women's soccer player of, of all time. American forward, 
number nine. May hold okay. the record for she most might hold goals. The record for like most international goals. She definitely is a record holder of some sorts, but she like I mean okay. in her prime, it was like she was like the name attached to to soccer in the US. Yeah. Like she was the most popular men or women star. Um yeah. Yeah, she visited our okay. Yeah, so this is probably the this is probably the late nineties, two thousand, uh that time period. And kind of in her prime, she comes to Chabot, little Chabot Elementary School in Oakland to do a soccer clinic for the kids and then have a question answer session. And me being the jerky kind of typical dad that I am, uh, when it came time to question, I raised my hand and I said, I know that you take, you're the one who takes PKs for, for the U.S. national team. Do you have a philosophy in terms of taking a, a PK? Do you, you know, try to psych out the goalkeeper? Yeah. Do you you know, have a rhythm or pattern or what's your philosophy? And she said, I decide where I'm going to kick the ball before I even approach the ball. I've decided in my head when I'm standing back and we're getting ready to take the PK and the goalkeeper is getting in place, I've made my decision. I'm going to kick it, whether it's low right, low left, upper, whatever. I have made my decision. I don't let anything the goalkeeper or any other circumstance change my decision. I just go with it and let let the consequences mm -hmm. be darned. And she says it's worked pretty well. I just go with my, you know, my decision. How maybe you don't have that approach. Maybe you're deciding as you approach the ball. That I would say I decide before I take it. Um, but it, this new era of football, there's there's different ways to take penalties now. Yeah, it's if you look at like Ivan Tony, they do some silky penalties where they time the run up with where you're not allowed to stop completely, but your body's still moving, so like you can yeah. get. The keeper off balance. I would say that the pen, I would definitely say a lot of people still use that philosophy. I mean, me as not yeah, what'd you a do? pen specialist. <laughs> I actually was a pen specialist as a kid. I mean, I feel like a lot of us, I mean, yeah, it was different, you know, but like up in, even in college, I was taking pens, but I, mean, I had a couple of traumatic pen experiences that we made. Mate, me too. Honestly, um, I've missed a few pens in my time where like, in my family, I'd get joked at like he's gonna miss the pen again, and then I had to start redeeming myself slowly. Yeah, well, you've done a great job of that, I, I will say. Before we go too deep into this, let's just give the people a little bit of context. Me and Charlie were teammates for just one year, but feels feels like a lifetime. <clears throat> I remember, I remember walking into the the Oakland Roots facility and seeing uh you know this tall, handsome Brit, and wondering like. <laughs> Who the who, the who is this, this guy? guy? I mean, no, I remember I remember us signing you, and then uh, I knew you played for Tucson, so I like had seen had seen you before, but like never really seen you play. Yeah, and you know, I think they they labeled you as a center mid right when you signed. So initially, I was a little threatened, you know, just like oh god, it's a big it's natural. This is a big lad yeah, yeah. into the middle. Usually, I'm one of the bigger lads in the middle. This you know instantly competition and then you know we dabbed each other up i think sat down a couple of mats next to each other and immediately the any sort of you know competition or like i don't know if we're gonna you know mesh well was was solved right there i think we hit it off right it was the pre-season trip wasn't it we had a I saying mean, yeah you remember the I saying know. what was it catch a vibe <laughs> Yeah, we caught, we, we caught a lot of vibes. We caught a lot of vibes. I just it's I mean, so cliche, but like at the time we were in like such yeah, like yeah. a nice California town. Where was it? We were down in um, 
Ventura. We yeah, Ventura Beach, like in a hotel right on the water. We were in a lovely spot and we were just hanging out in the in the free time, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, naturally just in preseason and just in USL, like there's so much turnover year to year that like you have to kind of start over each year in terms of like not just building a system, but just meeting new teammates and developing relationships. So, I mean, I think we just hit it off really early, just – I don't know, had a lot in common and just vibed, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, the rest, the rest is history. I mean, we spent a lot of time together last year. Didn't golf as much as I would have liked. Uh, That's still in the future. Obviously, I think my injury woes didn't help. Honestly, I, if I was, if I had a healthy year, we would, we would have had a year together, uh, a, lot, a lot more experiences, but we had a lot of fun on road trips, you know, got to share the field a bit, a lot of fun at the training ground. And yeah, now here we are. Charlie was a guest at our house once or twice. Yeah, I did. You had some lovely lovely steaks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gabby was there. Yeah, we had Charlie and Gabby over to the apartment for New Year's. Ziza, that was fun. We cooked. Oh, (laughs) we had a a few good times. We had a few San Francisco trips. Yeah. A lot. We were bouncing about. Yeah. So we, we have, you know. A short history, but a history with a lot of a lot of memories. Jam packed. We had Charlie. I mean, we did the marathon minute on the road, and we got to hear some of kind of your story, just you know, through the academy system in England, and just breaking your way through the ranks of the U.S. pyramid. And I mean, I'm I'm blown away. Like I I've had the privilege of knowing you as a friend, and so I've been privileged to hear kind of your story and that's why I've been wanting to get you on the pod for, I mean, since the jump. Cause like, dude, I mean, you, you have a great story as much as you recognize it or not, like coming from England and an academy system. And this is kind of a, a bird's eye view for our, our audience, like coming from the UK academy system, where if you don't make it pro at 18, you're considered a failure to then, yeah. you know, here you were a couple of years ago in the second tier of us soccer, you played division two, and now you're a bona fide USL championship starter and pushing the ba- the boundaries of breaking through into MLS and beyond. I mean, seriously, having been on the field with you, sky's the limit in terms of your ability. And as a friend, it's it's cool to, you know, know how you've gotten here and now in a position where, shit, I'm no longer playing and I'm moving into off-the-field endeavors. And one of those things is storytelling and media and you know trying to share these things that are worth sharing i feel like you know you are someone whose story is is well worth sharing and also as i mentioned earlier it's just an excuse for us to hang out for an hour and and chat shit we've known each other for a little over a year a couple years now and it feels like a lot longer than that but i'm excited to not just share what i do know about you already because i you know i literally was about to write notes for this and i was just like I already, I already know like all the, you know, most of the stuff I want to talk about from our friendship, but I'm excited to see kind of anything else new we might learn. And just like, again, to like give you the the platform to, to talk your shit in a way. Mm-hmm. So it's like, bro, your, your, your trajectory is, is definitely worth applauding. Um, so I'm excited to kind of share that. Um, so yeah, now people know like, okay, they know each other. They were teammates. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of bus rides, a lot of time in the training room, a lot of, a lot of chat and shit, and it makes sense why we're so comfortable here talking about pens for ten minutes. 
Yep. You know. Um, Were okay. you nervous before you took that pen? Get nervous. Back to the pen. Honestly, I wanted. I, 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 I wanted to ask. I'm, I'm. I always ask that. I like to it's ask fun, it's professional fun. athletes questions that you know normal people who play sports probably wonder about. Like, do professional athletes get nervous before games or before certain aspects of games? Okay, I. I definitely have in the past and many occasion taking a penalty has got like get your nerves. But what you end up doing is you you'll run up to the ball and you'll be so nervous, you'll rush the decision, and then it, the moment will happen, and then you'll go, you'll look back on it and go, Why did I do that? Why did I hit it like that? And it's like it's like you black out for like, the moment you do it and yeah. you can mess up and you think if you just relaxed and now that moment of the weekend was like, I remember saying to myself, I've got to practice for these moments more in training. So now that I've taken them in training and I've been practicing them, I had the whole crowd shout and they were so loud, Yeah. but I didn't, I didn't feel one, one bit of like not being confident in myself. I, I made my decision. I knew what I was going to do. I just needed to go there and execute it. And like, if it didn't come off, fair enough. That's yeah. Like like, you know, as I get older, more experience you learn, you're not gonna like the more you if you fail, it's it's okay. Like you got you gotta bounce back, dust that off. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess this this can we're we're gonna jump around topic to topic here. But while I mean you just brought it up, I mean conf, I think confidence is it's massive. Is massive in football. It's, yeah, I mean it's it's the difference between a good player and a player that does not have a career because it can be that impactful. And you're uh -huh. someone who I think never rarely lacks in confidence, you know, like you always, you always want the moment. Like there's a free kick. You're like, that's mine. Like there's a, you know, a one-on-one -on -one or we're starting a drill. It's so like, it's going to be me. And knowing like some of your history, like you, you haven't been like the, star since you were a kid like you know you had to go through a lot of mm -hmm. you know proving yourself have you always had that confidence like i mean we can no. go back to like you know playing division two were you like walking out to the field like in a d2 game like yeah i'm the man the same way you're like walking out to take that pen like how has your confidence uh changed throughout the years and what's your just kind of like I don't know, two cents on confidence right now. Um, I remember being as a kid lacking quite a lot. Well, not not lacking it, but I physically looking at other players and being very small and physically knowing, like, it's going to be tough because they, like, the players I was playing against were in the academies and they were, they were, some of them were physically developed before I was. That's when I'd lose my confidence. Yeah. And I, I remember one thing I'd say, said to my dad like after a game as a winger, dad only lost the ball like once or twice. But for me, that's the wrong, looking back now, that's the wrong mentality. You got, if you want to be in those teams and stand out of row, you got to do more than just not lose the ball. Um, so that was at that point in my career. And then obviously when you go from the top, I went all the way back down to the bottom and just restarted to like local football, club football. Um, yeah. So then at that level, you know, you're like one of the best players and I would play with more freedom, but it wasn't as serious. Um, 
so yeah you you feel more confident in that environment um but then as your career goes through the pathway you you have like different occasions where maybe the occasions are a bit bigger and the nerves will get to you and you don't feel as confident um i got an example i think after my freshman year i went and played pdl in in um texas right yeah and i was coming off a sports hernia injury and i was up up against like some some of the best college players in the nation were on the team from like north carolina and i was nowhere near getting in that team at that point at 18 and they nearly packed my bags and sent me home um from my first ever pdl in texas because i wasn't good enough because i was lacking so much confidence coming back i was out the pro game for a while so i had to prove myself like can i play at this level um yeah and i couldn't handle it at that point how do you how do you eventually build it because i think confidence is something where you have to build it up like Mm -hmm. like with a lot of younger players and this has been said to me before is like you make two mistakes in a game and like there starts to be kind of like a feeling around you know the other players of like oh gosh like don't mess up a third time like don't mess up one more time or else like you're gonna be shattered like confidence is shattered you might try and make up for a couple mistakes with a you know a brilliant play whether it's like a dive mm-hmm. pass or a shot from distance you try and make up all your confidence in one play versus building it back up like all right let me just connect a couple simple passes or like on a bigger scale like oh let me drop down a league and play or let me just go to a different team where i'm going to get a ton of minutes so like going back to that moment how did you build your confidence back up whereas right now i feel like you're you have a short memory like you make a mistake and you're still confident so how have you been able to build you know a resistance to to you know losing confidence so that you can get it back quicker i think that just comes from believing in yourself like you have to you have to like i try and train really well um training's a massive part of it making yourself feel good um yeah if there's there's tough moments like there's going to be moments where you you look like the worst player out there yeah and that's where it's like you second guess yourself and you have to you have to find it within you just to push through that that phase because I think when you're not playing well, you know it's only it's only a, one thing like one goal could change change it and then you, you're back on the up, you know your trajectories change. Um, so riding that wave, you know. Yeah. No, I think. I think a, a what's the word? A short memory is good for footballers, and mm-hmm. I think just a a willingness to like a willingness to fail in a way like with with football a lot of like especially like the best teams the best players like they play in situations where if you don't get out of that turn or you don't make that pass like it may come back the other way and and hurt you and the more hesitant or the more you're lacking confidence in those situations the more likely you're going to fail in that situation. So it's like, you have to find this balance of like being like bold and doing things that have risk, but like being confident that you have the ability to pull it off. Cause like a lot of people have the ability to pull certain things off, but when they second guess it, 
that's when like it'll get fucked off you know or like they'll get picked and go the opposite way because they're they're either not confident enough or overconfident and so i think yeah self-belief is probably the biggest thing you know to just stay steady with that and just like repetition the more you're gonna play the more you're gonna you're gonna know that like this is my thousandth time doing this turn or doing this pass like it's going to come off. Like I have confidence in that. You know, this may be my belief, but I'd like to get both, actually both of your comments on this. I'm an old football coach, soccer, football. Yeah. And I do believe a big part of a good football soccer coach is to have the ability to instill confidence in his players Mm -hmm. uh, or her players. And, and, get their players to play, to take chances and be, and and say, you look, you know, I'm not going to cut you or I'm not going to cut your minutes because you took a chance or two. I'm okay with you making mistakes. As long as, you know, you're playing hard and you're trying, you're making good decisions. Players who play out of fear of making a mistake are doomed to fail. They'll never achieve greatness because they'll, they're just going to take, you know, play the safe pass every Uh time as opposed to maybe the right pass. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that comes, my personal opinion, from coaches who instill that attitude that, hey, I can take some chances. This coach will understand and will, and will back me. Your comments on that, guys? Charles? I, I mean, coaches do play a huge role. You know, you only get one opportunity to have one coach at one age group. And it's wherever you are at that time, whichever team you're playing for, they have a huge role in picking a team, um, stuff like that. So it's not always the best fit for the player. Um, but I would say for me, coaching is about knowing, knowing the individual and what will get the best out of them, you know? So like there's plenty of examples, just different types of players will react differently to different situations. And yeah, confidence is a massive part of that. I think. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, I think, like Charlie said, a, a coach's role is to get the best out of a player. And a lot of that is just being able to manage the human being. And confidence is a huge part of that. I think I've been fortunate enough to have a few coaches instill enough confidence for me to be self-confident, to be resilient for the the majority of coaches who have actually tried to take away confidence. Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate actually the amount of coaches that I've had who actively took away confidence rather than built it. And, and as one of your prior coaches, I apologize for that. Get out now. Yeah. I, I don't think you took, took away too much, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I do wonder why coaches didn't, at least in in my experience, why it wasn't more of a point of emphasis. Um, I mean, maybe it's generational. Maybe I'm yeah. still part of the the tail end of that generation where you can scare a player into playing well. But I'm very much a person who responds better to raising up my confidence versus threatening it. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, mean, I definitely think there's a lot of kids and a lot of players right now who have coaches who do not instill confidence. And in those situations, it is your duty. And that's, this, this is what makes breaking into the higher levels harder and harder and harder is that 
it's on you a lot of times to manage your own confidence. You, we might say that, yes, the, the greatest coaches do it, you know, like a Pep or an Arteta. Like, yeah, they have a squad of 28 guys and they're all fucking world-class. So it's like, you yeah. gotta keep, and so in a sense, like they know who they are, but like even those types of players, if you're not playing, you're going to get in your head a little bit. And so as much as you want to get help from a coach to gain confidence, I think, I think we have a responsibility as players where if you want to succeed at the highest level, you're not always going to have a coach to build you up. Like there's going to be times when you get brought down, whether it's from a coach, from a teammate, you know, we trust me, the, on the training ground uh, last year and, you know, throughout my professional career, even teammates can be very negative and, you know, attack your confidence. Like, there's been yeah. times like, I mean, even going back to like when I was on trial, like a while back, like. Or oh, the trial like, situation, yeah, that's definitely. Thing, like, oh, like you make one mistake and like, it, it feels like you have an angry mob trying to kill you. Uh -huh. like, if you're playing small sided for like, Bro, like I'd, yeah, I'd yeah, yeah. up sometimes to train with the first team and like sole goal of those sessions is like, don't be the guy to fuck it up. Like, <laughs> don't be that guy. Like if you're in a small sided game, it's four before, like those get very, very. That's the mentality that. Competitive. Is, and yeah. And like, that's when you really understand like, Oh my god like this means so much to these guys like this is a 4v4 game on a tuesday for the guys who didn't even make the 18. yeah before. and it's like this that's where they have to make yeah that's where they have to make the you know and so make their statement exactly but going back to confidence like in that situation yeah coach might say like ah next one next one but like you it's only you in that head of yours and in that body where you gotta look around and be like all right these three guys want to kill me I'm going to still be in the game the next 10 minutes. Like I got to figure out a way to like get my groove back. Mm -hmm. And that's when a lot of this mental work comes in when it comes to football and just confidence again, that being so big on the mental side of things. Okay. I want to, I want to, like I said, we're jumping around a bit. I want to give a little bit of context again to this, this story that I mentioned that, that you, uh, that you have, obviously I mentioned you and our audience can tell from the accent from the UK and you played with Southampton Academy, right? Mm -hmm. As a kid, um, yep. but eventually fell out of it. I don't know. You can talk yeah. about that, but what was it like growing up in England and playing for an Academy? You know, obviously football in England is people are crazy over it. And what were your aspirations as a kid? So when you were in that Academy setting, were you thinking, Hey, this is my pathway to be a pro or at that time were you simply playing for fun and just kind of seeing seeing where life would take you what was little charles uh like running around brighton how about that i think i was just i was playing for fun when it first came about you know when i mean i was playing as soon as i can walk um and i was i was born in kent which is more towards london way um and then when i was about five years old i moved down to the south coast um, joined the local team there and just loved playing football as much as I could. Runs in the family. Granddad was uh, ex-professional for Arsenal. His brother played for Tottenham. What? Yeah. Your grandpa played for Arsenal? Yeah, yeah. I got I got a photo of him, like a 
a black and white one with his like gunner's blazer on. Um, now. yes. So that's my dad. Then my oh, dad's dad. I just now find these things out. Okay. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah. And then about seven, eight or eight or nine, sorry, I was going on trials and it was Southampton and Portsmouth wanted to sign me. But, um, at the time Southampton was way in a way better place. Um, they had a real Academy. They were in the premier league. Um, so I went there. Hey, hey, Charlie, it, can you stop there? I'm sorry, but but most of our listeners are not from the UK or yes. from Europe. And obviously the American youth sports system in general, youth soccer system, is very different mm -hmm. than what you're about to describe. I mean, you're eight or nine years old and you're going on trial for, yeah. uh, for organizations, soccer clubs. Can yeah. you talk about kind of just give our listeners a sense of what it's like in, in the system there for you. Yes. So like the official age group to be on a team starts at uh, U9s. Um, so like uh, before that, I remember just they'd invite you to trials and there'll be a lot of kids there and you'd basically just have to prove yourself. Um, I remember getting a car. My dad would drive me up to London sometimes. I think there was a few trials up there. And then it would just be on the weekends you go and and then the coaches would be there marking the kids and then if they think you're good enough that that you'd slowly make it through the stages and then if you officially make the team then they bring you back and uh then it gets pretty full on you're on you're on you're signed with a contract I'm not getting paid uh year to year contracts with the team and you're basically fighting each year for another contract until you get up to about sixteen where you can sign like a a pro youth deal. Um, and so yes, contract you're signing, obviously it's not paying uh, a 12 no. year old money, but you're signing what to, to commit yourself to playing for that team. To the team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there, there was, yeah. yeah, there was rules. Like I wasn't allowed to play for my, my school. Um, can't do certain very things. It's very it was, it was serious. Um, yeah. So that was when my life changed and I didn't really, have anything else that was what i'd go to school i'd have about 30 minutes when i get home to eat and get changed and my dad would whiz home from work at the same time and then be getting changed eat quick my mum would make his dinner and then we'd be it was an hour and a half commute there and then an hour and a half back so it was long evenings where i was spent a lot of time in the car with my dad or sharing rides I used to share rides with um, the current Fulham centre midfielder, Harrison Reed. Um, yeah, so me, he was a year above me, but we lived, we were the only kids that lived in that area, which was like an hour away. So it was, it was like you needed to share rides. It would take a bit of stress off my parents. Um, yeah. You lived in Brighton? Yeah, in Brighton? Um, about 20, 30 minutes from Brighton in yeah. a village. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's then it's just like, you're in this life where it's just football and you're always getting assessed by the coaches, yeah. proving yourself from a young age and then against the other players as well. Um, obviously, along the way, there's plenty of other things to the journey, games. each It was every weekend a game, you know, travelling. Yeah, that's the thing as well. Just so much travelling since a young age, just yeah. hours in the car, you know, going to games. Yeah. And but so it's for the love of the game. Like, you, you I wouldn't... I wouldn't have chose not to do it. Like I loved it. That was my dad enjoyed doing it as well. He loved watching me play. So, 
Yeah. And and at that point you're thinking, <clears throat> all right, let me let me ride this trajectory to hopefully a professional contract within one of these clubs in Europe playing in the academy system in the UK to potentially play pro. Little do our audience know when you're 18, 19, 20, you're going to be playing Division II college in the U.S. in Georgia. So mm-hmm. walk us through a little bit of that in-between. You know, when did this this shift from me moving through the academy system to a pro to falling out of that system and then going to the U.S. and saying, hey, let me pursue an education and professional soccer opportunities in the U.S. I mean, to go from Southampton to a Division II soccer school in Georgia are like mile worlds apart. I know. <laughs> so walk us through a little bit of this timeline of academy to then what was it like falling out of that academy and then you know, what was your mentality coming to the US and how did all that come about? Yeah, definitely. I think the goal was the the ultimate goal was to turn pro. And when that like it was it was it was eight years since I was at Southampton and it sort of came to the end and then so quickly. Where like I knew I was falling out of favour and the coaches didn't didn't see me as a prospect at that time. So like I sort of knew it was coming and then when it did, they spoke to my dad, we had a meeting and it was like just a click of a finger. You live in a different lifestyle. I remember just having to go to school and and like being known as the kid that plays for Southampton or an academy. You basically got to tell them like, you don't do that anymore or like, that's like you're done. What was that like from like an identity standpoint? Because I mean, shit, bro. I, I can't yeah, I mean, I, I was just a kid. Like I didn't, didn't know how to deal with that. Like it was... I just didn't, I just sort of shut it off, you know, just try and still enjoy my life at the same time. But that's when I had to start making decisions of like, because I always thought I was going to go pro, but the pathway was going to be different now. So like, I still wanted to, but it was definitely like, I was more like a normal, normal, normal kid from school where I was doing it, what everyone else was doing. I wasn't on a different schedule. Um, but in England, you finish school at 16 and then you have two years of college and that sets you up to go to university if you want to go to university. So I enrolled in a, in a football program, which was pretty good, like a college football program. And it, it was like an in-between level, you know, some good players, but it wasn't academy level. Um, and you were getting an education at the same time. So it was similar to the college, college athlete over here. Um, just just 16 to 18. And I, st- I remember just, I was scoring a lot of goals and still playing well. Um, and yeah, I was still having success in football and like, I knew I had the talent, so I never really gave up on a dream. But it was like, where can I go next with this sort of thing? Um, yeah. And I'd, I'd heard about the uh, the American scholarship route. Um, there's companies that in England that will basically make footage for you and, and recruit you to universities out here. And then my dad mentioned it and we, my dad used to come to my under 18 games with a camera, right? And he'd be recording me around the pitch like this. Um, just obviously that's what you do for your son. Um, yeah. And he created footage for me and then we would email that to coaches. Um, I had to do the SAT test, which is was so hard considering like I hadn't, I hadn't done maths, English or science in, 
in two years. Yeah. So like you, and the best of the times I didn't concentrate in those classes as <laughs> as it was. So like yeah. my knowledge was going down by the minute. Um, and yeah, the SAT was tough. So like by the end of it, my opportunity, my offers to go to schools were pretty limited, you know, with scholarship. Mm. So it ended up being Rome, Georgia. You think Rome in America, <laughs> only, only Rome I know is in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> so is that, is so that, they uh, me... is that sh- a shorter university? Shorter? It, yes. Not longer, yeah. shorter? <laughs> sure. Definitely sure. Yeah. Shorter <laughs> university. Uh, yeah, it was what, Michael. Yeah. What? Like, I mean, Brazilian coach were, recruited me when you yeah. were like, all right, I got my ticket. Heading to heading to Rome, Georgia. Like, what was like your mindset? And then, like, when you got there, like, I don't even think I've I've been to Atlanta. I haven't really I haven't spent any time in other than Atlanta, Georgia. So, like, what was your impression of like the U.S.? I mean, yeah, was that your first trip to the states when you went over here for college? No, I'd been twice before. I've done the Dallas Cup, played in that with Southampton, and then I my dad took us on a family trip to uh, Orlando theme parks. And then we went down to uh, Anna Maria Island, which is actually near me now where I live, which is kind of crazy to think about that. I play football near where my dad took me on holiday mm-hmm. when I was younger. Um, so yeah, that was, that was that. And then I was still so young when my mom didn't want me to go. And then I was just having this going away party and I just needed to pack my suitcase and, I was committed going to this this college. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of international players that made me feel a bit more welcome when I came, like some, some English, German, South American. So it was a good mix. And yeah. Yeah. I still uh, have sure friends from that it's team. It's a Division II school. It's not, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a good school, good college soccer school. When, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what was the level I'm of play? I'm not trying to throw shade at Shorter University. <laughs> yeah. like, I know, I know the level of Charlie. I mean, I don't yeah. doubt. I don't doubt that there wasn't good players there. Well, but well, just what, in what, the grand scheme of college soccer, yeah, yeah. nobody knows what the, where the fuck Shorter University. Is. Yeah, like, it's in Rome, Georgia. In respect, like I went to a top fifty soccer school, and still everybody shat on. Nobody knows Santa Clara. Yeah. It's in the I, Gulf I, South. You're Gulf? trying to give flowers to Shorter, <laughs> but that's a very obscure school. Well, I'll give you. A, it's in the Gulf, uh, Gulf, uh, Gulf Coast, Gulf Coast South yeah. Conference. Gulf South, and, yeah, uh, and they have a, a whole bunch of sports programs. What was what was the level of play, Charlie? I'm not even trying to throw shade. Out. I'm more so just trying to show, like Charlie, he like started at a, yeah, not the bottom, but like I'll, you know, to go. There's very few division two players playing professionally like at all anywhere that's true like to go you know that's that is a big feat you know it was there was there was a big difference between the top of the team and the bottom of the team that's what i'd say you'd have walk-ons that were from the local town that barely kicked a football and i've come from like england and i'm like how have I ended up here? I've got no hope in hell of ever going pro again. That was, that was like how I felt. Cause I was like right at the bottom of the pit of university soccer in America. And then you, 
you just have to start proving yourself in every situation in every game and then you slowly get opportunities i guess yeah and that's well, where the that's, yeah. well did you excel at that level i mean was it you know i did playing, yeah you play you know really? you play other d2 schools where you kind of kicking ass i got freshman of the conference my first year yeah boy and all american yeah See, that's what I was so saying. that got me the opportunity to transfer to a good school yep um then i went to a top five d2 school down in south florida right. which has one of the best names of all schools the selfish right the only selfish in the nation yeah <laughs> yep palm beach atlantic um, university selfish Michael, I appreciate you've done your research. Yeah. I love he's that. His, he's done his research. I figured yeah. I'd just let him take care of the names and I'll just help. But out. even then, like, that's a top five D2 school. And still, like, I don't think anyone had gone pro from the program. It was a new program, a small private Christian school. It wasn't really renowned for his soccer. And players don't really go pro from D2. You, yeah. There's normally it's D1 that they get drafted and go through the MLS draft. Um, but you've right. really got to stand out in D2 to make it pro. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit then, you know, talk us through how this professional transition happened. Obviously, I know a bit about, you know, what happens with Nashville and, and picking up an injury, but can you walk us through a little bit how you went from finishing up your eligibility to then as a selfish, as a selfish to then, you know, what happens with Nashville and then ultimately where you end okay. up after that and then we can kind of you know talk about this this rocket ship of a career since yeah i mean those were some some good days down in in south florida I'm sure, um i'm sure you had a good good time by the way university of miami charlie yes michael you know you know what goes on down there final four it's it's, it's a good time you know the yeah, weather's yeah. lovely a lot of um the beach game, you know yeah. Mm -hmm. people were just enjoying themselves um yeah so moved down oh. there yes studying studying exactly plenty of that i've done plenty of that yeah. um yeah so i was i landed down there in a new world to me it was like it was like i felt like i was in gta like all the palm <laughs> trees you know the bridges going over yeah trump yeah. island um yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah some some good lads moved in obviously just going through the system on different teams you meet so many people and friends along the way um yeah so it was it was making sure i was doing well in in my college team spending summers on pdl teams like because if you really want to go for it like you've got to do the pdl the summer league oh, yeah. um you know so never had a summer grinding through the summer coming back in the fall you know the college season's short um i remember going to my senior year i got an injury that put me out five weeks at the start of the college season. And then I'm thinking like, am I going to go pro? Cause five weeks is like half the season. Um, and you play all the, the teams that aren't so good at the start, like the out of conference teams and, and you can get like your stats up there. You can get your goals and your assists in um, the, you know, Americans love some stats. So especially <laughs> yeah. in college, like you got to get those stats up there. If you want to make it pro out of D2. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, talk us through how, because you are here now a professional. I don't know how long it's been, five, six years now. Mm -hmm. How did you make that breakthrough? And and what were some of those obstacles? I know, but what were some of those obstacles you had to overcome very early on to just get a foot in? Because I know the player you are right now. I mentioned it a little bit in the intro. Like, 
and I've told you this in person, like you have the talent level to be playing in MLS, if not beyond that, just knowing your talent, Thank you. knowing your ability. And so to then be, to start off at league, league two, you know, people, you mm -hmm. might think people might think like, how is a player of this caliber in league two for three years or was yeah. it four, four years, three years, uh, league one, league one, sorry. League one. Yeah. 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 Years. Um, three years, right? three years. Yeah. 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 It was mate. It was tough. There's so many, there's so many other factors that come into it that are just outside your control. Sometimes that just can either delay or accelerate your career for the good or the worse. And sometimes I was on the wrong end of that, like injuries, for example, um, international spots, being an international player. Um, yeah, just different requirements at different times, say different positions, play, good players in certain positions, teams needing some different um, players. And then obviously coming out of college, I'll go to that where... I was playing well. I had a good season and then Nashville um, wanted me on the invite trial, went there, got injured, um, came back in for preseason, didn't know I was injured at the time yeah, and then like, realised... They, they liked you, right? They wanted to mm -hmm. invite you back. For yeah. I think even they wanted... I think they knew they wanted to sign me just from watching my college career. Um, but I did go on the invite trial. Um, it was an English coach. I got injured on that trial, didn't know it, come back in for pre-season and then, um, they told me I needed surgery on my knee. So that was that year done. They cut me from the team, um, had to go back to college, rehab. That was probably the toughest moment in my career so far. Um, I remember sitting... What's going through your head there, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember getting the news from... So, like, it's a new team, a new franchise. They came into the league 2018 into the USL championship. I think at that time they knew they were going to the MLS as well in like a few years. So like people had that in their mind, all new signings. Um, and we're in Vanderbilt hospital to do the medicals. Um, and then I go, you're like, Oh yeah. Like, an, mm -hmm. yeah. I just need to get rid of this knock on my knee and I'll be good. Yeah. Anyway, they end up finding out the MRI, result, MRI results before I even knew. So my agent knew, the club knew, my um, everyone knew before me. Um, so I go into the doctor's office and he tells me like, "You've torn your knee," and I'm like, "I'm like, didn't really process it." Okay, how long? How long before I'm back? And he said, "No, you need surgery. You'll be out like six months." And I'm like, "Oh damn!" I remember just walking out. I was crying straight away. Yeah. Just because I knew like the chance, of, like I just worked so hard, four year college career, like that's a long time. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's very different than, I mean, maybe even football in Europe, they would view it differently. But like basketball or or American football in the U.S., like a lot of times they'll sign you on potential. Like mm -hmm. if you're a young player with potential, they'll yeah, sign yeah. you on that. And that is the same uh, in football in England, I'd say in Europe. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, if there's a, a player of your caliber equivalent in American football or basketball and you're coming out of the drafts and you have an injury, maybe you might drop, you know, a round mm -hmm. or two rounds. You're still signing a three-year deal, four-year deal 
it may affect your your money in those first few years but like this is the this is soccer in the u.s you have a six-month surgery goodbye because everyone is on one-year deals everyone's on two-year yeah. deals. the clubs the organizations they have every piece of leverage there is in soccer in the u.s whereas soccer in the uk other sports in the u.s players have leverage you mm-hmm. players are the ones that produce results i don't know what it is in the u.s for some reason the players have absolutely no leverage uh maybe in mls there's a few guys who have some but just in general it doesn't work like that so yeah you you're unavailable for six months you're off the team you know and so yeah sorry to interrupt you just walk no, no i'm glad you brought it up because you're done with college. I didn't end up getting my degree because I signed pro because I didn't have time to finish my degree. So then you're just left with nothing. The team's cut you. You weren't earning anything because the wages are so low. Um, so, yeah, you're out to dry. And, like, <laughs> I got a blown-out knee. I couldn't put weight on it for six weeks. And then I'm back down in West Palm living with my college roommates again. Luckily, they were nice enough to take me in. Yeah. And I'm on this rehab program back to just at 20, 21, 22, still got to push through it and believe I could have easily quit at that point. Yeah. Was there any, um, um, was there any moment where you're just like, this is too difficult of a path? Like here I am 22, all my peers in the UK who are looking to play professionally, they, that, that decision is usually made at yeah. 19 and you're still 21, 22, like, trying to figure it out was there at any point where you're just like fuck this like i'm you know i'm I'm done or i think it always like whatever i gotta do i'm gonna make this happen no i mean i definitely there that that was the moment where i was like that was the moment where i was i questioned myself because it was the lowest point of where i've been so you have to doubt yourself but i was i've invested my whole life into this I haven't come this far to get to like 21, 22 and then just to pack it in after an injury, you know, it seemed like, seems like it was so far off and it is a gamble. Still, you might not get a team. Um, That's why when I knew six months beforehand, when the USL league one was coming out, when I got offered a contract, like I just took it because I wanted to, I knew once I got that chance to play football again, like I was going to prove myself. Because I did believe in in my talent and and stuff like that, so that's yeah. Until then, it was pretty tough. Yeah. So I mean, clearly you you have proved yourself. You know, you spent a year with Tormenta, and I mean, I I should have I should have your staff. Two years, right two now. some. Two years, no, it's all good. Years. Yeah, COVID year though, which was only like fifteen games. Yeah, so that so that was another factor. Visibility any any easier? I think, mm-hmm. uh, twelve goals and uh, seventeen assists in sixty-seven games. It's yeah, not bad. Twelve goals, seventeen assists. That's all. That's that's not too bad. I that's think I definitely could have done a bit better. That's yeah. putting in some good shifts, as and they then, say. And then coming off knee surgery, yeah. Yeah, exactly, and then. And then you go to Tucson, which we share some crossover there. I played for FC Tucson twice mm-hmm. in the PDL, which was a great experience. You also played with my good friend Cody Wakasa yes. there, who's a friend of good the lad. show. So, so yeah, you were you played two years in Tormenta and then one mm-hmm. year in Tucson. And then talk us through a little bit about how you made the move to the 
USL championship. Was that, um, you know, in the back of your head after that year with Tucson, I know we've talked about a little bit kind of that contract negotiation and coming to the roots, but like, what was going through your, your head after that year with Tucson? Were you like, all right, this is finally, you know, it's my time to take another step up. I've proved myself the last few years. Like this is just naturally the next thing or what was kind of your mindset after that year of Tucson. And at that time you're what, 25, 25, like yeah. three years and you're ready for a next challenge. Um, so what was that like? And for our listeners, was- U.S. championship is the division two in the U S it's the second highest division yes. in the U S right below MLS. So uh, uh-huh. it's, it's pretty up there in U S soccer. I think that second year at Tucson, it was after that COVID year. It was, that was like, it was make or break. Like I knew, I knew I got to have a good year here because time's not on my side, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the end goal was to move up, either to the championship or to a better team in Europe or whatever. Um, so I knew, yeah, going into that year, like I set a few goals I needed to to make things happen and really push to have a good season. And yeah, luckily it it went my way. But even then, like at the end of the season, you do well. You can tell yourself, like I'd like to be here, but. It's up to your. It's out of your hands at that point. Once, yeah. once there's no more playing, it's in your agent's hands, and and whoever team wants to sign you, if they like you or not, you can. Unless you're gonna go there and sell yourself to them with your agent, like it's up to the teams. They decide. That's what I'm saying. Like a lot of it's out of your hands. Yeah. And I got the opportunity for Oakland at that point. Um. Which brought you to our hometown. I know, it's, mm-hmm. which, is, which was great. Why we're here? Talk us through a little bit of, you know, your first year in USL Championship. Also, obviously, coming to Oakland, we are mm-hmm. Oakland people. So, talk about just your idea. Well, it's funny because I remember talking to you. Like, a lot of people think when they move to California, it's like California is one thing, and that one thing is Southern California. Beaches, uh-huh. you know, sun all the time. Yeah. And NorCal is definitely a lot of sun, but it's a lot different than SoCal, both in terms uh-huh. of kind of the weather and beaches, but also in terms of kind of just the, the, vibe. the vibe. Culture, vibe. yeah. Vibes are, are very vibe, different. Culture, NorCal, yeah. SoCal. SoCal. So what was, I think you guys would know that more than me. You know, I only... No, for sure. But like, what was your expectation? You're like, here I am. Like, I'm coming to Cali. Like, yeah, where's the beach? Like, yeah, we got an apartment on the beach. And I'm like, yeah, what beach? Like, I know. No beach around the here. channel. <laughs> the Al- <laughs> yeah, you got an apartment at <laughs> the Alameda Beach. It's like, oh, like that beach, like, the ferry yeah. port. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, it's funny to hear, like, you know, when you were coming over, like, what your expectations were, and then when you got here, kind of. You know the experience. Did it remind you of Brighton back, uh, London by the sea, San Francisco a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Um, Cali, the West Coast was just whatever I pictured it in my head. You know, whatever like image you would hold on to and then sort of build off that in your head is is what I thought was Cali. It was all made up in my head. Nothing was true. You know, it was all whatever I wanted to think. So until I landed there. And st- I remember flying in because I came before Gabby did, and I was I was in that hotel right next to the training ground, 
and it was just me. And then I remember just obviously the landscape and the scenery of Oakland's pretty cool. As you fly in, you see like the the hills and stuff, the Oakland Hills or the how how do you call it out there? Yeah, Oakland, Oakland Hills. Hills. Oakland, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That I mean that was my first sort of look of Oakland and and I actually felt a little bit like England because England's like that. There's hills and and stuff and near where I live. Um and more of a colder climate with greenery. Yeah. Um so yeah, it felt pretty cool. I was excited, just like new city and then you start from there, you slowly gaining more experience throughout your time there, you know? Yeah. Training you showed up, training ground, top of the line. Um, you know, that was oh yeah. A nice thing to show up to. And then you're like, wow, this really cool teammate, you know, first day. Right. Really Taking me under his wing. Yeah. So, yeah, well, let's, you know, maybe talk a little bit about the playing side experience. Um, first year in Oakland or first year in the in the USL championship. Maybe talk about your expectations of level and kind of uh-huh. the reality of the level. Um, and then maybe just talk a little bit about the year last year. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we had we had a crazy year, bro. Oh, yeah. Like. I mean, I also I just remember, and I'll I'll give my kind of again like looking back on you coming in. I talked a little bit about those first few days of us kind of hitting it off, but then, I mean, I remember you as a player. I know like first few days, like you know, it's preseason, but I was like, I was thinking that you would be you know a good player on the squad, and then very quickly, like I think I realized how important and impactful you were going to be you know i think just given your demeanor like how casual and like cool you were in the beginning i'm like oh this guy's like he he's like too fun to be around to be like yeah. you know this this baller and you turned out to be both very fun to be around and a fucking great player and so talk about maybe just adjusting early on as a uh you know to the environment to the to the system we we're playing a very kind of unique system at the time and yeah just kind of maybe just yeah i think for me i was the kid coming from the lower division you know i could i couldn't live off my southampton days anymore i don't carry that stigma with me they were done like no one no one knew about that i was the kid coming from the lower league where i remember my mentality was just like take it all in and you you can you can have to prove yourself you know sort of thing so let let your football do your talking, work as hard as you can. Yeah, and then slowly prove your worth within the team. Learn from the more experienced, older players like Emra, stuff like that. He's he's played for Sorry. like ML, MLS football. <laughs> yeah, obviously he's our close friend now, but yeah, yeah. at the time I didn't know him and he, he's like a player that played with like Ibrahimovic and stuff like that. Oh, I mean, bro. And national like, team. His resume is, is fun. Yeah sick I like it's funny because we're so close with him like you sometimes forget like oh shit like this dude's you know, yeah this dude's been around and played at like, a very high level he's had some really big moments in his career and it's just he funny. shared the locker room with beckham you know yeah and he'd like chat shit with ibra like yeah you know both could like chat shit about certain things but like yeah it's funny so with yeah him. that was with him yeah that that was where i was at um being having better facilities and coaching was new to me. Um, so yeah, I was just really excited to get the opportunity to play. Um, and then slowly growing into it, becoming, becoming myself, you know, um, opening up to the team a little bit more. 
Um, yeah, I think off the field, like Max said, I'm I'm really chilled out. But I think when I'm on the field, I'm I'm pretty hunger hungry to win. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you that. I'm like exact yeah, question. opposite end of the spectrum. I was going to ask you that exact question, and, and it's a question I've I think I've asked other folks who play sports. That is uh, on-field personality versus off-field personality. Do, when you cross the line and you uh, are enter the pitch, do you become a different person? I think that this is a good subject. I'm re- I don't really get I don't really hear this get talked about too much, but it's definitely it's a thing. Like it's a thing. Like it's a thing. You you know players on your team. Like once they step over the line, they're 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 a different person. I'd say yeah, it's that. It's you, you go to war really like you got to do everything you can to win like your drive your motivation everyone has their journey how you're feeling at that moment will decide like how badly you want it you know um yeah it's you some people are different like when i go out there i just i'm competitive so i give and from experiences and having setbacks where i've been close to losing it has made me like make sure I don't ever get near that again. Whereas, like I don't want to lose this opportunity, sort of thing. So, you, whereas people have had it different in their career, maybe giving it to them a bit easier. You know, they'll they'll not work as hard or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I had the opportunity to kind of interact with you off the pitch a, a little mm-hmm. bit, not like Max, but a little bit enough to kind of know your personality. And then saw yeah, you definitely. play a ton, right? I saw you play a lot of a lot of matches. And it struck me, this is one guy who definitely has a different off-field and on-field persona. I mean, you on the pitch, you go, you throw your body around. You're one of those intense guys. You know, like getting a yellow card is not foreign to you. I know. Uh, you know, you go for, you go for it, right? It's like you said, uh, whether it's a battle or a war, whatever, uh, whatever term you want to use, uh, you're a darn serious, intense competitor. Yeah, which is fun for me. I lo- that's what I, I love watching players like that. To me, that's yeah. you know what you pay for. Yeah, I think also, I think it's important to know, especially like, I think we've talked a lot about kind of the dynamic of like being of playing soccer in the U.S. but also playing in the second division is like, yeah, everyone's hungry. Like nobody, yeah, very 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 few people in the U.S.L. or you know, in general with football who are like satisfied with where they are at, Yeah, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. If you look across this league, the USL specifically, it's like almost everyone is either, you know, have higher ambitions of, of playing in MLS or of moving up within their team. Like, I don't think people mm-hmm. quite understand just how competitive professional sports really is. It's like, and and I, I felt this the most. I mean, I think I felt it in Oakland too, but but mostly in Portland. It was like you're, like the game is. The game is almost a time where, you are rewarded for, who performs the best in training, and so training is like, like you said, it's fucking war because mm-hmm. it's like this determines who has the opportunity to then showcase themselves yeah. on an even bigger stage. Cause like I've seen some players in training and some moments in training where it's like, 
like holy shit like some some guys do unbelievable things in training and yet still don't see the light of day in the field for yeah. for one reason or another and so it's like I mean, it really does become i mean you're you're playing for your livelihood yeah you know like it, it really is like bigger than a game you know like it it is a game at the end of the day like you're playing a kid's game but like these are yeah. determining your next yearly salary this is determining uh -huh. like can i go on this vacation this summer can i buy a house can you know these are like real life things that are come from a game which yeah, is fought for every day the crazy you know? yeah so that's why yeah it can get and it's just like i think but you wouldn't ever look at it and translate it like no, that like, do you know what i mean yeah you so don't think that in yeah like, you're just i think that's what it's translated into but like when you're in that moment like i think we are in these positions of playing a professional sport because we care about the sport that much especially like we're playing in the second division in the u.s for the means that we're receiving because we care about the sport that much you know if it was just for the money or just for the the yeah. fame or whatever it's like it wouldn't be worth it at at this level. So it's like we're all fighting because we care that much and there's that much on the line, um, whether it's moving up or just to continue this, you know, because it is a privilege to play. Like, shit, I, I just lost this privilege. And like, yeah, like you understand, like it, a lot goes into, you know, yeah. the opportunity just to even have the To get on that 11. Yeah, yeah to be starting every week. To have an opportunity. Especially here in America with like all the good players coming through college and that from all around the world. Just like the level is getting good. I don't really think it gets the exposure um, in America quite yet. It's getting there though. It's good to see. Yeah. How would you growing. compare Division 2 in the US versus England? Uh, Division 2. Yeah, I mean, England has so many good players and good leagues. It's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's a it's a good level. Um, definitely like League Two conference level in England. I'd say it's, it's up to that level, yeah. Tampa Bay versus Wrexham. What is <laughs> what is the expected outcome of that game? Oh, yeah, I can't say like that. A, a really, I mean, I know, but... Because I haven't, I haven't watched many of their games, to be fair, and I haven't been back in... Yeah. Yeah, someone in my, in my chat who's watching says League One. League One in England, maybe. Because he he watches both. Yeah, um, it's interesting because interesting. now everybody's watching this show Rexum, and they're like, yes. in love with, oh my god, like soccer taking over a community and it being that important. It's like, yes, that is the, that is the value that it holds across the pond, put on football, and people are like going crazy over it. And it's like, guys, this is great, but look in your backyard. You probably have. A, a league one or a league two or uh -huh. a USL team or an MLS team within your city or state or town, whatever, like support that team, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I know you want to support, you know, the big movie Actually. stars, you know, but like you can have this too. And I think, and this is very kind of off topic, but like looking back, like what we're doing with neighborhood sports club is like, yo, soccer is, is coming to the US. It has arrived and it's only going to grow. Like, you know, how as Americans can we stop looking at 
the UK and Europe as like, that's the only place to consume soccer and start looking at our front doorstep and see all the talent and teams that are already here and be like, okay, maybe let's try and bring that same energy into our own community, you know, and mm-hmm. try and change the fan culture here. So it's interesting just to see like how obsessed people are with that. And I think that also just has to do with like Americans kind of receiving or like not obsession, but like the relationship with Hollywood and like, if something is coming on TV, then like, Oh, that's, you know, presented in a whole different way versus like the league one team down the street. That's, you know, marketing on, you know, the PBS, you know? So it's interesting. I don't know. That was a rabbit hole. Um, well, here, let's let's get back to you and your story. What about, do you have a favorite moment from last year? I know you had uh, you had quite a few nice goals. Um, you know, maybe if you have a favorite moment from last year. Uh, yeah, I, f- I think it'd have to be that San Diego playoff goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember just, something. felt the whole occasion just felt special. Like, yeah. it was... It was a semi-final. Did we win a game before that? We did, right? Uh, I think yes. it was like a do or die. Like we had to win. Well, they were. We, no, we won in the Loyal quarters. The, yeah. You, oh, this was in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. The one you, seed, right, or a two seed? Yeah, that was a that was an upset. That was no, that was the yeah. first round. That was the first. That was the first round. round. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, yeah. You see, they were the one seed. Yeah. San Diego. And it was. It was just. I remember they packed out that stadium, and it's sort of everyone's. The stadium goes down, like looking yeah. down, you know, it has that feel. They were loud, we, but we had our traveling fans there. And then when that moment came and it just, I hit the ball so sweet and it, it went in the top corner and just the rush you get from scoring that. And like, it's now it's like you represent, Oakland's a big city. So it's like, you're proud to represent all these people and just, bring him like a good moment to that inning to go on to win the game. And just that night was just, it was pretty good. It was up there, you know, on the biggest stage and the biggest moments. That's that one small moment is like what you work your whole life for really. Yeah. For that, yeah, that was a stuff sweet, like that. Sweet goal. Dribble, 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 boom. I know. Top corner. I'm yeah. Bummed. I'm bummed. I wasn't there. I'm definitely salty. And then you get a taste of that. Like, I hope that now that I can go on and create more moments like that and, like, on big occasions, you know? Yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about kind of the move to um, the move to mm-hmm. Tampa Bay. Um, you know, obviously, you had, a, you had a good year last year. I think we can all agree of people within that locker room, we probably underachieved a little bit just looking back at the talent that we had, but yeah, um, you had a good year individually. What was the, what was the decision-making like going to Tampa versus, you know, spending another year in Oakland versus, you know, exploring options abroad. Um, what was it like making that move? And then, you know, how has it been settling in? I know we talked a little bit about, you know, team of the week honors, recent pay, yeah. but, obviously settle in nicely but just talk a little bit about that uh transition um yeah so like coming off a decent year i wouldn't say yeah it was nothing to get over the top about but i i done well um you, you showed what you're capable of yeah level, you know yeah like first year and it's like starter goals mm-hmm. assists or at least like the ability to score the ability to you know yeah yeah 
I mean, bro, I look back at some of these games and I'm like, holy shit, you could have you could have bagged a lot of goals. I know. And that's yeah. like nothing against you. Like maybe a bit maybe if there was a different surface at home. Then, yeah, that was you know, there's a few more goals here or there, or just a few lucky bounces here or there. Uh-huh. You know, I think Yeah, I remember hitting the crossbar or the bar like three yeah. times in a row. Yeah. Um Yeah. So I think you uh, did yeah. what you needed to do. You, know, mm-hmm. you were impactful. You were impactful on the field. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that got me interest, which my agent was mentioning to me. Um, and then it's a matter of, all right, where's this interest coming from? And then there's obviously the politics that come into it, different conferences. Um, and then obviously factors like where do me and Gabby want to go? What's best for me? Where's the best yeah, you, fit? You went to college in, in West Palm. Yeah. You know, and then you have family there. When I started to realize things, teams in the Western Conference, it'd be hard to move there. Started to look over to the East Coast, and that's when started negotiating things with Tampa. And like, at first, I wasn't excited about the opportunity because I was kind of invested on a few teams on the West, um, and was a little bit disappointed about that. I'd say. Um, so, it took me a while to like digest the Tampa opportunity. But then the more I thought about it, I thought, wow, like, like I'd be stupid not to go here. Like this is the best opportunity I had. And just being grateful that that deal got done back home in Florida where I went to college. I love this place. I love the beach. Um, The weather's great. Yeah. It's for me, like I've been on this side of the country more. Gabby's family's from here. Um, you know, having people come up and visit, yeah. um, coming to the occasions, you know, making our family proud, stuff like that. It's, it means a little bit more, you know? Yeah. You're a little closer to England too. Exactly. The time difference pays a massive part in it. It's only yeah. five hours back to England, whereas over in Cali it's eight hours, which is kind of a lot. Yeah, yeah. for sure. No, I definitely, I can speak to the, just. Like even with us, we had trouble coordinating oh, just because it's three hours hey three hours is, is a yeah three hours is yeah tough, but i'll just add in just you know there's a lot more that goes into these decisions mm-hmm. than, than purely football it's definitely a big decision but you know at the end yeah. of the day we are human beings with lives and families and all those things so as much as you know i when i moved to play for the roots it was like you know a no-brainer initially yeah. my first thought was like well wait can i play an mls like can i get trials in mls like it's but then mm-hmm. the more i thought about it, it's like well what about the opportunity to represent your hometown you know like to to have your family and community at every game so i think it makes sense knowing you and and how important your family is and all those other factors you mentioned that you know you made the move for those reasons and, and obviously there's a lot of reasons best food you had in oakland charlie what what do you miss from uh from oakland like anything stuff. you know that you had here while you're here in oakland that you kind of miss yeah the, the ramen is good um the cajun boil the indian we went to in san francisco max found a great indian spot in san francisco. there's an yeah an italian spot do you remember we went to in san francisco yeah that's good as well we got that one we ate some good food Yes, and then there was this one taco, taqueria, around the corner from me, and I actually showed the Mexican lads on the team 
this spot and they loved it. They do they do the quesadilla, mm. yeah, and nice. the like the meat with the juices and the like the cheese and tortilla. <laughs> yeah. Me and Gabby, that was our go to. You talked about kind of your career as a whole and all these obstacles that you've overcome, mm-hmm. um, and like I I felt a little bit like this too, where I was like. When I, I signed my first contract at 23, so I was like, holy shit, I am old as hell. Yeah. But then, like, once you get to, like, 25, 26, I mean, you're, you're whether you're next to another 25-year-old who started when they were 18 or when they were 16, it's like, we're both 25, 26 and at the same level. So, like, you're kind of yeah. even at that yeah, point, yeah. you know, regardless of kind of your history. And so, you know, what are kind of, your aspirations now you know do you do you see this as uh hey i you know overcame all these crazy obstacles you know i'd love to play in the usl as long as possible and and ride this you know professional wave out um or are you still very much like pushing the i mean i think i know this just from knowing you but you know are you still very much like oh let me try and get to the highest level i think i'm capable of whether that's here in mls in the u.s or you know, trying out the the tier in England and trying to, you know, break into that mm-hmm. system. Um, you know, what are kind of your aspirations? Cause I know me personally, like I it's every it has changed or it, it changed throughout different times of my life. Like when I was 10, 12, it's like, yeah, I want to play for fucking Arsenal. I want to play yeah. for him, you know, play on the US national team, play in a World Cup. You know, once once I got to 17, 18, and I'm not with the national team, I'm not getting college looks. It's like, okay, maybe, you know, maybe not Arsenal, but like MLS, still want to play MLS. Because at that mm-hmm. time, it's like I'm seeing people, you know, that I think I'm on a similar level to, like, get into MLS. And <clears throat> even up until, up until 2020, 2020, yeah. When I was in Portland, like, even up until my last year in Portland, I'm still like, if I play very well, like, I can still break into an MLS roster. Like, I know yeah. guys on MLS rosters, like, I can be on an MLS roster. And, you know, even up until the point, I mean, last year, a, a lot has happened in the last two years that have kind of changed just my whole outlook on football in general, um, where, it, you know, maybe it was like, okay, I'm not trying to reach the highest height. I'm trying to just maximize my own potential and get what I can out of the professional game. Um, you know, so how has it, how has your aspirations changed? Where are they now? Um, you know, just given you went through all this shit to get here and now you're here, you know, are you just like, I'm happy to be here or are you like, Oh, let me push that boundary even further, you know? Yeah. I think for me, just, I still have aspirations like to kick on, but I'm I'm happy with where I'm at right now. Um, but it's football; like you can ride your own wave, you can make it. The sky's the limit, really. Like like I said, I made it from the the bottom tier, and it's just about proving yourself at every level. So if I manage to prove myself here at another big team, like I can, I can keep going. You know, you train. You play against MLS teams. You play against other other players every week that go on to move up, and you compare yourself and and you got to be. 
I don't know. You got to, yeah, you got to shoot high and believe in your ability. Um, because yeah. what's the point in settling? I mean, um, yeah, you know, you don't unless unless you're happy with what you got and and you're happy just staying at that level, which is fine. And and some people want to do that, but if if you know you got the talent and you want to and you want to push on, like you've only got one career, it's short. Decisions come around quick, you know. So. Yeah, I'd I'd still like to keep keep going as far as I can, really. Just yeah, the highest I can go. I think that's a good attitude, and I think it's uh, I think mentioning that like you can be both happy where you're at and still be mm-hmm. ambitious for more. You know, yeah. you don't have to be miserable and wanting more, or or just content at being at the level you're at. You know, yeah. I think sometimes that can get misconstrued, and especially like in the usl sometimes i think you see some players where it's like yeah your your talent level you might be good enough to be an mls or whatever but like maybe for one another reason maybe it's your attitude or maybe it's your work mm-hmm. ethic or this or that and that's a reason why you're not in at the next level and so you know i think talent is one thing and mentality is one thing professionalism is one, like there's all these different things that can lead you to moving up a level or down a level. And I think having a balance, you know, or, you know, kind of that outlook that you have is probably the the best way to yeah. not only reach for those higher heights, but then also remembering like, you, you, again, you're a human being. You want to yeah. live a happy life. You don't want to wake up every day like, fuck, why am I, yeah, why just... am I not in the prem? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can still reach for the, the stars and still be really present in that moment so yeah i think that's where i'm at you're in a good spot charles any uh-huh. uh, interesting comments from your chatters yeah we sure. got any questions yeah let me i mean a lot of these guys like my stream's been going for a while it's two and a half years and, and these are the... talk about your stream bro these are the diehards that have been there like following my journey as well so they like they know like my favorite foods. Like they've spent hours on here with the camera, just yeah, they know more, just just they know more talking to me, writing in the chat, and I'll respond. And they know about my life. Like even at the weekend, like I was texting them saying I don't feel well, um, and they're like giving me advice, saying you got <laughs> That's great. you got yeah, like giving me advice, saying you got to push through this, and That's great. it's just another like sort of friendship group that I have that yeah. support me and follow me along my journey, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So what kind of comments are you getting tonight, Char? Um any anything wow, interesting? This is great conversation. Love marathon minute. Definitely. <laughs> Probably that, but a lot of that. They let me let me find a good comment. They they're coming in like I've sent them jerseys and then they'd said about the the leagues, Tampa Bay Rec versus Wrexham. They said would be a good game, but think you'd win. Um, but National League is close. One of them's a season ticket holder at Cincinnati MLS games. Nice. And last year he actually, yeah, this is a pretty cool story. Last year he came to the Detroit game. He booked an Airbnb um, with his missus. They, they they drove like a couple hours to come watch me play. I got them tickets. First time I was meeting them. I managed to score in that game, um, the volley. And then we conceded in like the 94th minute. Yeah. yeah. And it was 1-1. And then I took him out after and we went to the club. Um, we had a good time. Yeah, and like... He probably had the time of his he life. Was from, oh my God. Yeah, it was sick. Like, he got to meet me. Like, he, like I was streaming. He's been watching me and stuff. So it was pretty cool. 
yeah, we, we definitely need to catch up again. And we like to say this podcast cool. is like, uh, you know, it's a, it's not a one-time thing, you know? So maybe we check in again mid season, mm-hmm. you know, talk a little bit about, you know, what you've been up to. Um, but yeah, it can be like that. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs till then. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, we love to highlight you. You're, you're someone we'd like to have on the show. So thanks. I appreciate you giving me this chance to talk because like I'm a person, I wouldn't, I don't really talk about being in the spotlight all the time. Like you get enough of that. You don't want to, I don't talk about my journey or that too much. Like this gives me a chance to sort of say it. But it's important too, you know, like I think a lot of people look at you and you're like, they're like, Oh, British guy, you know, playing a lot in the league it's like oh he must have just like done well in in europe or like made a name for Mm -hmm. himself and come over here it's like i i highly doubt anybody who watches you play knows that you were cut from southampton as a kid and played at two division two schools and three years in league uh league one like you know the fact that you're still fucking playing and like on the on the rise like this isn't just like a little one year pro and then you're out of the league like you're very much like still coming up i think is like that's a a story worth telling and like just a testament to you know not giving up on a dream you know which i think could be relevant to anyone trying to reach any achievement or reach any dream so a testament to your internal fortitude yeah charlie (laughs) and your perseverance which is really important traits whether you're playing football or you're an accountant or yeah anything you do uh you know having strong personal makeup and and persevering uh, if you have something that you really you're interested in will take you a long way you know sprinkle in a little bit of talent which is kind of important and yeah i respect that lovely lovely wife we miss gabby she's class huh we miss you too but we miss gabby maybe just a little bit more We'll, we'll catch up sometime soon yeah yeah, let's um, well, let's let's hop on a Facetime soon, and then uh, okay, with this episode, um, but yeah, this was fun, bro. Thanks for your time, right. Charlie. Just get some rest. Tell Gabby I say hey. Yeah, yeah, she's in the other room. I think she's been watching the whole thing. All the, all the kittens, or just one yeah, cat. kit. You got one cat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wish she was here, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And we'll talk. Thanks, Max. Yeah, yeah, Charlie. All right, geez. Have a good one. See you guys. Yep. Cheers.